Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, thank you, Gary. It is 635 on this Friday morning. And, you know, one of the stories I want to get into at some point here today is from Channel 12 that they're reporting that a lot of ballots may have been lost in the mail for this presidential primary. Thousands of Richmond residents who requested an absentee ballot are waiting in limbo. I saw that story. I saw that story, and that kind of... There were several speakers that spoke to that at that town hall uh, earlier yeah. this week that was hosted by uh, Congresswoman Jennifer McClellan. There were several that said, hey, I requested a mail-in ballot. I've never gotten it. So that kind of first came to light during that town hall earlier this week. Yeah. And then and then the office in Richmond City, uh, the general registrar is saying, if you've got a ballot in your hand right now, don't put it in the mail. So, I mean... I mean, at what point is everybody in America, but I mean, here in Virginia, since the General Assembly is still in session, would you guys like to get this right before we have the next presidential election? Or are you deliberately creating a situation where we're going to have potentially armed conflict over another election cycle? I mean, what do you need to see to realize that the the wonderful plan that you put in place so that everybody can vote while they're sitting on the toilet at the nursing home uh, isn't working. It's actually creating more trouble in the society than the previous plan, which, quite frankly, wasn't that restrictive either. I mean, at, at what point do we wake up and say we're creating a crisis? And, I mean, it's a crisis. When you think about all the people in America... Myself included, as somebody who's been around politics my entire life, who really don't have faith in the system, are you going to fix this or not? Everybody going to the Capitol today, are you going to fix this or not? It's just kind of stunning to me. We're going to wind up in a war. It's not just going to be overseas wars. We're going to wind up in a war if we don't have elected officials who are smart enough to figure this out. Unless you're doing it deliberately which I wouldn't put it past some of the people who have a D behind their name to deliberately cause this type of chaos because it seems to play in their favor. Having said that, good morning to you. It is Friday morning. It's the 23rd day of February 2024. I'm John Reed, News Radio WRVA. 
And, you know, every Friday we're fortunate to be able to get an update on what is happening with one of the overseas wars in Israel. Jordana Miller joins us now live from Jerusalem. Jordana, good morning to you. What is the latest? There are a lot of big uh, headlines today uh, here uh, from Israel. The first is that Israel has sent a delegation to Paris today to continue um, on uh, negotiations uh, led by the U.S. for a possible hostage release deal and ceasefire. Uh, the prime minister was very clear that he wasn't going to send a delegation again to take part in the talks unless Hamas softened some of their their positions and their demands. And it appears that they have, uh, after President Biden's envoy met with uh, the Qataris and the Egyptians in Cairo for several days uh, and then came to Jerusalem. Uh, we're assuming that it's uh, that, that likely that Hamas like soften their position on the number of Palestinian prisoners and the and their identities, uh, that they're, you know, fewer convicted felons, that they're requesting be freed, and perhaps the ratio instead of hundreds, one, they've lowered that. Uh, so cautious optimism for uh, the next round in Paris, uh, which of course will then be followed by, uh, you know, a consultation here in Jerusalem and you know, these these deals don't happen overnight. This is already, you know, several rounds into the second attempt after the hostage release in November. But it's very clear that the president is pushing uh, hard on both sides to try to come to a deal before Ramadan, the Muslim holy month, that starts, which starts on March 10th. Uh, that, that month always brings heightened tensions and violence. And so, you know, every party is served. Uh, to this conflict with a potential ceasefire for six weeks during that month that would help bring down uh, tensions. And, of course, it would stop the war in the Gaza Strip for several weeks and bring out, um, you know, at least 40 of the 132 hostages. Right. If there is a pause or if there is some sort of semi-resolution during Ramadan, is it reasonable to think that the fighters would use that as the time to restock, resupply, get their strength and come back even worse uh, with surprise attacks during Ramadan or after? Or is this really, is everybody exhausted and they're looking for a way out? That's a good question. Obviously, any break in the war gives Hamas a chance to regroup. Um and, you know, figure out what its next strategy is. Um, but right. clearly Israel feels that it's in a stronger military position than Hamas and that it can afford to give them breaks and take calculated risks. Uh, according to Israel's assessment, there were 24 brigades in the Gaza Strip, and now there are only six left. Uh, two in the central area of Gaza and four in Rafah. And so, you know, obviously a pause would, would give those uh, remaining gates time to regroup. Even maybe some would try to revive uh, fighters or groups of fighters in the north. But uh, clearly Israel believes that they're in a stronger position and they can take a risk and they want to bring home the hostages. 
It's a really tension-filled moment. Some of the headlines that I was reading preparing to talk to you today indicate that uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu is laying out some baseline plans for the end of the war um, and saying, hey, we're not going to just walk away. There will be oversight here to prevent this from happening again. I can't imagine that that's going over well. I understand where he's coming from, but how how is that adjudicated, or what's the reaction, you think? Well, you know, the Israeli prime minister was under increasing pressure to put some kind of plan on the table for post-war Gaza, first because the United States has such a clear vision, and just because the defense minister and the war cabinet generals were saying, hey, we need to know what the end game is. It affects our planning, our, our military planning. So here it is, uh, at least what's been made public. It is very vague uh, in many respects. Uh, and there's some things in there that we anticipated. Israel is going to keep its security uh, control over the Gaza Strip for an unlimited amount of time, uh, allowing its uh, security forces to come in and out of every part of the Gaza Strip. It also designates a security buffer along Gaza's eastern border. And for the first time, we're hearing about a security buffer that Israel wants to take on the uh, Egyptian side of the border around Rafah, uh, which we expected. But this is the first time Netanyahu is publicly putting it on the table. Uh, and then when it comes to civil governance, this is where it's very, very uh open-ended. I mean, Netanyahu doesn't rule out the Palestinian Authority taking a role in Gaza, but doesn't name them or rule them in either. He, you know, he talks about local groups that are not connected to terror um, coming in and being uh, given control. Doesn't talk about any of uh, Israel's regional partners taking a, a part in that. He does talk about dismantling UNRWA, which most people think is not a great idea, given they're taking care of so much of the civil part of the equation um, and would likely do the same you know, when the war technically ends. Uh, and in there, of course, is Netanyahu's reiteration uh, that he opposes any unilateral steps towards a Palestinian state, right? So that is definitely... Uh, you know, that will create a lot of daylight uh, with the United States as, you know, other announcements. And even he had this passed by the security cabinet, passed by the government. The United States wants to see a revitalized, a reformed Palestinian authority take some control of the Gaza Strip uh, and that there be a pathway to statehood. And both of those two major elements are absent from Netanyahu's vision for post-war Gaza. Uh, so, um, he's certain come under criticism for that, and you know I, I can't imagine that the White House is thrilled. Well, they're in the fight for their survival, so I, I, and and who knows whether Joe Biden will be the one having to clean up the next mess um, in you know in the in the coming years. It's interesting to see where this is at, at this moment. Jordana Miller, our ABC News correspondent, live from Jerusalem this morning. Thank you always. Jordana. Thank you. Good to talk to you. I appreciate it very much. Well, that's a mess, isn't it? And and you know what? Joe Biden can't fix this. I mean, no American president can fix it. But see, Joe Biden is particularly unsuited for this moment because he doesn't know who the good guys are. He's trying to split the difference. He's trying 
He's doing what Democrats always do. They can never discern evil. They can never figure out who the bad guys are. There's always sympathy for the bad guys. I swear you could have a rabid dog that just bit a bunch of children and they would be worried about whether the dog had been mistreated. How did the dog become rabid? Oh my goodness, let's not shoot the dog. Let's not. They just can't deal with the realities of life, which is why they mess up everything that they touch with public policy. <laughs> There's a reason that we have this blow up in Gaza right now. It's been bubbling for a long, long time. And it's not going to go away because you have a religious conflict, which is just not going to go away. But Joe Biden and the Democrats are the last people that you want to deal with a conflict like this because they can't deal with the reality. And they're going to allow their soft-hearted stupidity to stumble us into more conflicts and kill more people going forward. Seen it over and over my entire life. The last person to put in touch, uh, put in charge when there's a conflict is a Democrat because they just can't deal with they can't deal with evil. They can't pick they can't pick sides. And sometimes you have to. 647 on this Friday morning. I'm John Reed. We'll be back with more in a moment on News Radio WRVA. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.